You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumer. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumer. And Mary, uh, today I'm here to perhaps proclaim but explain uh, something that's been in the works for a long time between you and I. I call it the Tumer Paulette thesis, or sometimes I refer to that as TPT. And <laughs> or BS. Or BS, yeah. Yeah, okay. And this is essentially it. In politics or organizations, business or so forth, what sometimes looks evil or malconceived is in fact the product of a screw-up more often than not. And I'm going to give you a case in point. We've now learned that the censure document uh, of Liz Cheney and Adam Kinziger, in fact, did not contain the phrase legitimate political discourse. Someone along the way inserted the phrase, this will happen, a variety of writers are there. But then three documents, that plus two others, were all sent out an email shortly before the vote, all at the same time, which, of course, the many attendees at the meeting didn't bother to read, and they went ahead and voted on it. And now, what is the Republican Party faced with? A whole lot of walking back about legitimate political discourse. This thing for the GOP is a mess, is it not? It is. It's such a disaster, a public relations disaster for them. One thing I think they thought was going to be like, oh, it's not a big deal. Everybody knows we hate Cheney and Kinziger and we'll move on. It won't be a big deal. And now it's it's all anyone can talk about because if you're defining what happened on January 6th is legitimate political discourse. You as a party have, um, what's the, I don't know, sanctify is too strong of a word, but certainly agreed that violence with a political end is okay. And, you know, part of the American project is we do not solve our disputes with violence, but instead solve our disputes through the ballot box and they've turned everything on its head which is say you don't solve you don't solve problems at the ballot box you don't win political debates at the ballot box when you don't win political violence is a legitimate um, tool to be used and I John this is really an aside to the conversation we're having but I wonder how that looks the next time there are protests for issues they don't agree with. In other words, in the summer of 2020, when the Black Lives Matter, 2020 or 2021, I guess, Black Lives Matter um, protest, and some people on the left were saying, you know, how can you be upset by the disruption and violence of those protests when these folks, the, the black folks in the United States have no choice left. They're being killed in the streets. And the, on the, the right, meaning Fox News and 
you know, whatever the Republican Party, they were outraged, outraged by that suggestion that the only way to solve problems is through violence. And what did they do last weekend? They put on paper that violence is a way to solve your political problems. Absolutely. And so when it occurs again, there will certainly be someone on the left who will say, no, this is LPD, legitimate political discourse. I'm kind of all into acronyms. <laughs> Today. Uh, this morning. Uh, but you can say that out. If you don't want to say LPD, you can say this is lipid. <laughs> but it is true. I it really true. think they did not expect in the bubble, the weirdo bubble they live in, that even people like Josh Hawley were saying, uh-uh, oh no. You know, there was a lot of violence. It was directed at the police and law enforcement, and that is not okay in the American system. The fact that the Republicans did not see that coming really tells you how clueless they've become as political actors in Trump world. Because one thing is, John, what Trump can get away with, nobody else can. No. And he, You're right. his shamelessness allows him to say all kinds of things, to walk things back or to just give that funny smirk. There's no other political actor on the stage. And I'm just taking Democrats out because they're not in this game. No Republican can do what Trump can do. And they may be able to go into Trump world in um, attract the base on the Trumpy issues, but they will never pull off his um, ability to get away with saying things that are just wrong. Yeah, and in this case, I mean, the person who's right in the middle of this is the head of the Republican National Committee, a woman by the name of Ronna McDaniel. Was actually somebody's daughter-in-law. No, no, she's no, she's she's the like niece of Mitt Romney, and niece, her name, right. her's Rana. Yeah. She always went by Rana Romney McDaniel's, and it was Trump who uh, pressured her into dropping the Romney from her name, oh, her initial yeah. calling card, because he hates Romney so much. Oh, yeah. So she couldn't even use the name. No. I knew there was a connection. Okay, that's right. But she's in a spot here because Trump has expressed already his great delight and satisfaction with this whole statement and legitimate political uh, d discussion. So she cannot just walk it back, which would be, you know, the sensible thing to say, listen, we got it all screwed up. We're sorry. We don't think it's that. Instead, she's faced with this problem they have all the time of trying to parse it out. Well, we meant that guy, but we didn't mean the guy with the hairy chest and the horns and stuff. He wasn't uh, part of ours. And, you know, nothing goes worse than saying something profoundly stupid and then trying to justify it by parsing out your statement. <laughs> it never works. You know, the yeah. other thing, John, is it's the entire issue about legitimate political discourse. You know, you, you even have to walk away and back up from January 6th because everything that happened from, from the election through the inauguration 
all the claims of false results and fraud, none of that was legitimate political discourse in our system. The way our system works is the states count their votes. And I'm just, again, as an aside, I was never like a huge fan of the states run these elections thing. I used to think, well, why don't they have federalized those? Now we know that there is a brilliance to that system because all these 50 states did that. Can you imagine if the federal government ran the presidential election and Trump could have then stepped in and said, okay, I won and I am the federal government, right? It's like the French, you know, je suis la tête. I am the state. This way he couldn't control all those states. So the states um, on December 14th, they certify, these are our electors. At that point, the only legitimate political discourse was for not just Trump, but all the Republicans to say, okay, I don't love it, you know, we lost, but Biden is the new president. But they spent the next month trying to undermine in any way they could the uh, count so that on January 6th, we would have the confusion and the chaos to allow Mike Pence to say, oh no, I'm not, uh, Biden is not the president. That is not legitimate political discourse in the United States of America. You know what I mean? So it's like the whole thing, the whole project that they are continuing to work on to undermine. You know, we were talking about Pence the other day, <clears throat> but what Pence and Mike Short have not said is that Trump won. They said he, she said, I didn't have a chance to overturn. So we can read in the middle of that, overturn means Biden won. But still, Mark Short was saying, you know, but they had drop boxes and people were being voting by mail. So a lot of people voted who shouldn't have been allowed to vote. So not everybody who holds the franchise can vote. Therefore, we kind of question the result. That's not how it works. It's so frustrating. I listen to these people. I'm thinking, this is not how the system works. Every single adult American has the right to vote. You count those votes, and then you say, ah, that dude won. Hopefully next year I'll time. I'll win. Or four years from now I'll win. And, you know, I'm, I was really struck by the completeness of Mitch McConnell's statement. I, nobody thinks that either you or I like Mitch McConnell at all. But, you know, we admire how he does his work. And uh, he's a very intentional guy. And when he came out yesterday, he not only said uh, that is not legitimate political discourse. He went on to say it was an attempt to interfere with an election which had been legitimately settled. And I think I'm pretty close to his work. Here. Yeah. So, uh, and you know what I think Mitch is thinking about there, I, you know, He's being a citizen. He's doing that. I get that. But Mitch always has an eye to what's the video clip uh, that's going to be put on during during elections. And so he's got one now in the bank that anybody asks, he says, wait a minute. I said that election was uh, done. That was an attempt to interfere. I mean, 
he knows he's not going to make any Trump any matter at him than he already is. He doesn't care, but he does care about Senate candidates because I'm envisioning. Let's assume that uh, who's the real nutball? Josh Mandel is that his name in Ohio? Who yes. might be a candidate? Yeah. Yes, like um, like to be the Republican candidate for Senate. Yeah, and so I'm envisioning uh, a commercial where the video you're playing is of that uh, Capitol uh, policeman getting his head squeezed in the door and then just keep replaying over and over again legitimate political discourse. This is what the Republicans think is legitimate political discourse. A policeman's head being squeezed in a door as he's screaming for mercy. That's what Josh Mandel thinks. And if you're not sure, ask him what he thinks. Because Josh can't wiggle on that one. He's got to take care of uh, of Trump. And I think Mitch McConnell knows that, that that's the, that's the campaign that could lose him senators in places like Ohio, Pennsylvania. Go through the list. Right. And he's not been shy about um, saying, trying to control who's winning these primaries. He doesn't want Josh Mandel to win that primary because he knows that puts Ohio in play in a way that it should not be in play. And actually yesterday I was having a conversation with someone who's traditional Republican, but, you know, very much a Trump hater or, you know, that what's happened to the party and um, an Ohio voter, and he was talking about how much he hates Josh Mandel. And I thought, yeah, that's so, there's so much risk for the Republicans to nominate Josh Mandel as opposed to, I mean, and J.D. Vance is just a, you know, first of all, he's doing terrible, and second, um, Mandel is killing him on the, you were once a Trump hater, now you're a Trump lover. But um, if they can't uh, nominate one of the more normal candidates, Matt Dolan or whatever, then you've given Ohio away. And this is um, McConnell's worst nightmare because then he continues to stay in the minority, something he really doesn't want. So it's very interesting, John, to see, um, you know, people are speculating, oh, well, you know, this means that Trump is on the descendancy. And I'm not sure that's true. Um, but I, it does feel like there's a little chink in the armor. There does. And you know, the hope of the Republicans is that the Senate candidates can do what Glenn Youngkin did in Virginia and, you know, walk this fine line. You don't irritate Trump, but you don't hold him too close. And so you're able, able to get elected. Youngkin showed unusual skill in doing that. And I'll tell you what, Josh Mandel is no Glenn Youngkin. No, 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 not at all. So, so we will see, will we not? We will. And I would expect that line from me here on Sibling Talk to go down in history. I knew Jack Kennedy and Senator, you're no Jack Kennedy. I think right next to that, people are going to say, <laughs> I knew Glenn Youngkin and Joshy, you are no Glenn Youngkin. This is history. <laughs> Oh, my God. I can't wait for that debate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.